Welcome to the Nate and Doran podcast. We are professional videographers based in Vancouver, Canada, and we're here to talk about relevant topics within the video and media industry. I'm Nate and I run Nate Dixon Media. And I'm Doran the videographer, sole entrepreneur offering video production services. And today we have a special guest. Uh, we're going to have a chat with Joel Law, videographer and owner of Joel Law Media. Joel, welcome to the podcast. Can you please introduce yourself? Uh, let us know uh, how did you get your business started? Hi, Doran. Hi, Nate. Uh, thank you for uh, inviting me to your podcast here. Um, in terms of how I start my business, I would say in terms of background, originally I started working in a photo studio, but then kind of, you know, how it is in terms of, you know, diving into media, once that bug kind of bites you, you, you just start exploring other things. So got into weddings, so was doing wedding photography, saw guys doing wedding videos. So I was like, okay, got into videos, which led me to think, what if I want to be more professional? which led me to be going to BCIT for the a program called television and broadcasting. And afterwards I graduated and I've been freelancing ever since. Wow. That's great. How long and how long have you been freelancing in total for how many years? Mm, I graduated around uh, 2000, the summer of 2017, but I would say for me, it, it's an interesting program. Because unlike for because the program is supposed to be well-rounded kind of program, which is great for people who are beginners. But when I entered the program, I had like a solid understanding of the basics for, you know, compared to the first years. So for me, the program was more about understanding broadcasts, the professional realm of things, and just overall just kind of developing, you know, that freelance kind of, you know, I guess you could say spirit because, well, during the well for me because once i graduated i think i'm the only uh, one of the i think i'm pretty much the only individual who's freelanced it from my year everyone else i've known has um, you know looked for some sort of company or some people have looked on to other things hmm. and uh do you mind just sharing with the audience how you like because this is our first time uh, meeting mm -hmm. do you mind sharing how how you met doran oh so in terms of the spirit of you know of you know being a videographer and just working as a freelancer, I would say one of the biggest thing is like making connections and meeting new people, especially in the industry. And I met Doran through the uh, BCPVA. Um, kind of decided to join at an interesting time, kind of at the end of 2020, right? You know, I guess one could say kind of the end of COVID. I mean, I mean we're still in the COVID situation right now. End of the first but... wave, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I saw the group before and I've been kind of intrigued and, you know, I didn't really have the time to kind of look for, you know, look more into the organization because I was like working, but then by the time of like COVID hit and just like, okay, you know, time to like look at, you know, rebuilding, re, you know, redesign, how should I say, restructuring myself in terms of like, who am I and also my business that, you know, with Joe Law Media. And one of the important things I figured was making newfound connections with other people, apart from just, you know, working with people who are already know. And you got to look for other things out there. Mm -hmm. I remember you, you, the first meeting you joined. Um, I really liked your setup. Right now, we it's very cropped. You don't see your full setup. 
Actually, we can see right behind, like over his left shoulder, that plants are rotating. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so cool. Like, I like your lighting. I like, uh, you know, the color space. Everything looked professional about you. And I'm like, oh, I got to reach out to this Joel guy. I want to I chit chat. I want to learn what he's about. And uh, yeah, see, like you said, networking. And yeah, it's uh, definitely been uh, interesting uh, uh, talking with you. And um, yeah, too bad we haven't had the opportunity to work together. But, you know, baby steps, whatever life throws at us right now, we, mm -hmm. we're on a podcast. So <laughs> thank you for accepting my invitation to come on. Indeed. Um, so in terms of how you started, did you have a clear goal where you wanted to get with your business or did you kind of see where uh, each initiative kind of took you? How, how focused were you at the beginning versus where you all ended up uh, where you are right now? Mm. That's a really good question. And the truth and honesty is for me, it's a bit unique because unlike other, most people, you know, try to find a, like a job at like a, let's say working at Sims or, you know, camera rental place, which I would, you know, for especially fresh people with no camera, no experience, no nothing, I would highly recommend that. But then for a person like me, I decided to go freelancing because I had a lot of equipment, you know, made quite a number of connections here and there with various other media uh, companies. And I have friends who were in the camera rental places, but then they're like, hey, you know, we are able to get a job, but then we need someone to, you know, run a teleprompter or camera operate something. So I didn't find there was a need for me to, you know, find that full-time job uh, right off the bat. So in terms of how I began, I would say I, in terms of an actual focus, I will be honest, it's a lot more broad compared to most people. I mean, definitely for sure the focus is on video, but then there's a lot of things which I have, underneath my belt right after I graduate beforehand I actually you know I have a prior experience in working on live soundboards um, I also have you know experience in terms of you know working in photography and studio photography so by the time I graduate I have a pretty good understanding of things like lighting and you know but then video working in the film world and working with other companies that's where I guess the biggest adventure is next for me mm -hmm. but you know especially with the background BCIT you know having all this i you know i would say workflows and you know formats and things to use to you know help me out along the way i was able to you know pick up things on my own because of that so joel what made you take the jump into full-time freelance making your own business and getting your own clients i think the reason why i really like to jump into full-time freelance was the flexibility and just i also have that personality of you know, trying everything and doing everything. And I, I just enjoy being part of an entire process. And because of that, I end up, you know, you know, working with various companies and so on and so forth. And like, I mean, not to say that you wouldn't work with other companies if you work within another company, but I mean, one can imagine it's like, you know, let's say you work at, you know, a, you know, major Let's say you work with a media company, but then all you do is edit. You see what's going on, but you don't see the entire process. And for me, I enjoy the process of, you know, talking with clients, um, you know, planning things out and, you know, making sure it works out well. And then on the day of shooting, 
you know, talking with them, reassuring of them, and then to the delivery process. So thereby, every part of the process is, you know, smooth sailing. Cool. And and uh, we I briefly mentioned, uh, like earlier, about uh, how I like your setup and your lighting. Can you actually um, quickly tell us what you're using currently to light yourself and capture the video? Okay. So in terms of a setup here, I have a large two by one light, which is diffused to give me a soft look here. And you can probably tell there is a highlight light behind me here. It's a tube light, nice tungsten, just to give me a little extra warmth. Uh, reveals my baldness, but that's fine, whatever. <laughs> but in terms of a microphone, I'm just using a simple audio interface with a NT, uh, let me see, NT1A. It's an old microphone. I, Originally, I kind of played around with audio back in the day. Never got rid of it. And now I'm great. During a time of pandemic, I'm actually able to use it for uh, uh, showing people off. But same time, sounding really great and crisp. <laughs> mm -hmm. But in terms of camera, I have the GH5 because I'm always concerned about that long form recording. My my primary camera though is the Canon R6. But unfortunately, that camera has its overheating limits because of whatever Canon decides. So unfortunately, <laughs> I end up, I still keep this old Panasonic GH5. Mm -hmm. Hey, whatever works, right? It's uh, at the end of the day, it's just a tool, and the videographer is the main driving force to produce content. Definitely, but at the same time, having the right tools, uh, not have a headache or worry about mm -hmm. some other problem right yeah <laughs> fair enough <laughs> cool cool um joel talking about gear i want to mm -hmm. know what's the newest piece of gear that you've gotten for joel law media well the newest piece of gear i have as i previously mentioned is the ken r6 and quite happy with that because you know having the gh5 great camera i would really highly recommend it for anyone who really wants to get into like solid video work but not be too limited but the definitely you know limit i found with the gh5 is like having like a full frame it's debatable like i know that's a debatable topic but then for me it's just for me like i don't have reliable autofocus with the gh5 so having the you know canon r6 it's I really am happy with it because, you know, having 10 bit, uh, 4K 60, and then somewhat of a full frame, even though it's cropped, but then that autofocus definitely saves my arm, especially in terms of gimbal work. Cause stereotypically, I, when I run the GH5, I just can't see what I have in focus. So I actually, uh, slap on a crazy, uh, Shogun Atmos, which is a seven inch monitor on the thing so that definitely adds a lot of heft to it <laughs> and the battery off that or oh, extra that cables too. and stuff yeah oh definitely adds a lot of weight so the r6 mm -hmm. that's your newest piece of gear so besides the overheating you're you're loving the autofocus more or less i i quite enjoy it i mean especially the ability to really recover like and grade the footage I mean, they both have 10 bit, but then the R6 in terms of like that dynamic range in terms of recovering shadows and stuff, it's, it's, it's just, it's a, just a lot more flexibility in post, simply said. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. That's cool. So with this gear, what what type of services do you provide? Well, definitely because of my background, I've been very open-minded to a lot of things. But in terms of like my primary service services is creation of uh, short form videos for like various you know organizations or you know groups or whatsoever. Um, like and at the same time, my other service would be uh, videography because um, not to gloat, but definitely for sure I. You know, for me, what's really important just having the in, you know independence to, you know, if Joel, do you have a teleprompter? I can easily say I have a teleprompter. Joel, do you have? Um, actually, a good example right now is because of the COVID situation. One of my clients, they don't want me to laugh, you know, put a laugh mic on any of their clients. Mm-hmm. They want me to use a, a shotgun microphone. I got that, and I don't have to, you know, worry about like not having the right equipment, and I'm prepared. So. Very oftenly, I do prefer, prefer the shooting part of things because, you know, sometimes I prefer not bring work home. But, you know, being a thorough person, I love the entire process, you know, color grading because, you know, just seeing the final results of like even my work, even though I'm like for some of my clients, even though I shoot the stuff, I, I definitely take a look at into the post side of things just to see if I did anything right or wrong, just to see if I can improve for the next time. So would you say that uh, not having to do an edit and just filming the raw and handing it over is your favorite type of work that you do? Definitely, I, I, <laughs> I, I would say Can't yes. Can't blame you there. <laughs> I, I agree. Mean, I, I mean, I have a process set up in terms of editing. You know, I, I send out videos for reviews and people can put notes and stuff. But you know how it is in in the post editing world. You. T- you know, you, I personally set a limit to two or three, but, you know, you have your clients who are like, six months later, hey, <laughs> uh, can we change uh, the wording? So yeah. I know he they say, like, 10, can we change that saying to six? Here's a phone recording from my iPhone, but then the quality is like, down here when the mm-hmm. recording was, like, up here, it's like, yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> but, yeah. Hmm. It's interesting. In the last uh, two months, I've had three clients that... Um, they kind of do the editing for me, sort of. So, like, everything that we film that's interview format, uh, I would just send them uh, low res um, just so they can time code uh, the script and they would outline, like, use from 40 seconds to 2 minutes and 30 and use this and this and use this and this. So it's just a quick cut. And then they just supply me the graphics and tell me exactly mm-hmm. which graphic to insert exactly where. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, this is my favorite type of editing, the one that I don't really need to think about. Um, mm-hmm. That is nice. I've got a client like that right now as well, where I'll send them the chunk, and then they're just like, oh, can you substitute this clip for the same clip, but 2 minutes and 30 to 2 minutes and 50? And you can see exactly where, okay, slot that in. And you can, yeah, you can kind of go on autopilot and just like make the changes. They're not like can you make it feel more cinematic? And you're like, what am I supposed to do do for that? Do you have a different soundbite that we could use? And you have to re-listen to everything. It's like, well, Uh, how about you tell me what type of soundbite you want? And I'll make sure (laughs) that I pick it out when I hear it. But yeah, it Mm -hmm. is just so much simpler because, uh, yeah. So some, some companies know exactly what they want and how they want it. They just don't have the 
knowledge or the tools or the person to do the technical side of the things mm-hmm. of the video editing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's the reason why for me, like I relate to like what you guys are saying. Like I personally use something like uh Vimeo review, the fact that they can leave a note and you know, they could leave a comment. I'm like, okay, let's see where are all the edits that they want on this edit. And I'm not going trying to read off like a doc, you know, ec- you know, Excel or word Excel spreadsheet. I'm just kind of like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Where, where, what changed? It's like, okay. At this time, this edit, nice and easy for everyone. So, and that's uh, a service provided by by Vimeo. Yes, but you need to be uh, paying for at least the at least the pro membership. Which is how much? I don't remember, but okay. Then it must not be that expensive. If you don't remember. <laughs> uh, I, if it would I, be I, like Premiere Pro, I would know. Like, oh, it's eight hundred bucks a year. Uh, no i'll be honest i think in terms of working with clients it's a very handy tool just the fact like they can they can put notes and it's time stamped because it actually changed my um editing because instead of like trying to you know read you know word excels and trying to figure things out you can see visually what they're looking at Mm -hmm. but at the same time just being able to like edit backwards actually from like Mm -hmm. the very last note they have and like so thereby it's just like you're yeah, affecting your entire timeline. Yeah, very great tool to have. Cool. I'll have to look into it. That sounds yeah, sounds really useful. <laughs> yeah, I know this. The software I use for that kind of thing is Frame.io. Mm, I like that one too. Yeah. So I I don't have a Vimeo Pro account. I just have the basic free Vimeo. But um, some of the other clients that I have already use Frame.io. Mm-hmm. So I, they can just like add me to the project. So then I just use my personal little project space for that for other clients. And that's a nice solution too. Same kind of thing, you know, timestamp comments, annotations, all that jazz. Yeah. Way better than emails back and forth or like you say, oh, word gosh. documents. <laughs> hey, I don't mind the Google docs. <laughs> <laughs> docs are fine. It's the emails. It's like, Oh yeah. No emails. Yeah. The, the worst email is when you have a huge chain and everything's there and it's bookmarked and highlighted and all that and labeled and then they decide to just start up a new email and it's like oh now we have five of these that i need to like which one was it like yeah at that point i'm like why don't you hit reply why did you hit compose new and added me in it don't yeah (laughs) anyway um joel what is an important lesson that you learned when you were starting out? Maybe when you were starting out uh, just in the video field or maybe when you were starting out full-time? What do you, uh, like full-time freelance, um, mm-hmm. what do you think was an important lesson that you learned in your first year? Hmm. It's really hard to remember from my first year, to be honest. And there's so many aspects, but I would mm-hmm. say... I, I don't think this is much of a personal lesson, but I think it's something which I kind of reflect upon myself okay. by the time when I was going through BCIT and I graduate. And I think it's really important is to review yourself very often because especially in, in our line of work, there's a lot, you know, very it's very easy to come across problems and you need to think of solutions as soon as possible. And very often, you know, sometimes projects go great and sometimes projects don't go so well. But what's really important is not just to do like one part of the process and to really kind of be thorough in the process 
from the beginning to end as much as possible. Um, especially, I would say, in terms of actual tip, I would say, if you're a person who wants to shoot photos or shoot video, please bring it into your computer. Edit your stuff. I don't care if you know if you shot good or you shot terrible. Look at it in front of your computer, because I mean, speaking from like I think a lot of people can say this, you know, like especially in the wedding industry, for example, I've gotten asked people like, "Hey, Joel, can can I join in on one of your wedding gigs and to learn learn some stuff?" And I'm like, "Okay, sure." And they and then uh, you know we do the job, and you know I end up trying to teach them, and very often like I tell them right off, some stuff I tell them right off the bat, you know, like please use a monopod. Don't rely on image stabilization. Like it's it's not as stable as it looks. And then, but they're like, "Yeah, look at it though, and the camera looks great." And I'm like, "No, it doesn't." I whip up my laptop. I pull it out. We watch it on my laptop. I'm like, "You take a look, and what do you think?" Yeah, it's okay-ish. I'm like, "Okay, look at my footage, and I'm doing the same thing on a monopod. How mm -hmm. does it look?" Mm -hmm. Oh. And that's the thing. Like, I, I think for a lot of people, it's easy to like shoot and think like, "Oh, yeah, I got something great. Yeah, we can use it." Review, review, review. Look at every shot you make. Like, eventually, I mean, I know it sucks to shoot a dozen times of the same thing, but unless you are very certain about your equipment and you know how well you perform, then great, cut it down to two, three shots. But when you're starting off, shoot a lot and review. Mm -hmm. Very useful. Um, yeah, I 100% agree with that. I've, uh, learned, um, that it's better to have extra stuff to choose which one is the best and get rid of the rest than being like, oh, I thought I had this shot and I don't. <laughs> and then it's mm -hmm. like, well, you had one take, so, or one day, one, uh, the event was one day and you can't rebook it. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. better safe than sorry definitely uh joel i've got a question for you yeah um can you tell us some of your other hobbies or interests besides video well if it wasn't for covid right now i would be playing ultimate frisbee you know love Ooh. running out on the field jumping mm -hmm. high but my other hobby i um, kind of put it on hiatus right now because of the covid numbers is actually uh, rock climbing. So I go uh, bouldering in the gym. And I would say it's it's a great physical activity in terms of like building your core. But I mean, um, side note to, um, apart from looking great with your guns, um, side note to mm -hmm. anyone who operates gimbals, it's a great uh, physical activity because I definitely would say my arm strength is a lot stronger because of rock climbing and thereby I've done days where I've like run around with a gimbal for like 12 hours and I do the same thing the next day and I'll be like, I'm a little sore, but I can recover. Vice versa, I notice now since I haven't been able to climb as frequently, I did a gimbal sh job for like maybe three, four hours. And I'm like, next day, why am I so sore? I'm, this didn't used to be the problem. <laughs> and I'm already, things are already lighter. Like I said, I only already recently got the Canon R6 and I'm not putting an external monitor on that. So I've definitely got weaker. So I really wish mm -hmm. to go back soon. Hmm. <laughs> so with uh, Ultimate Frisbee, Joel, do you also try like Frisbee golf, disc, disc golf? Mm, 
I haven't. I'll be the funny thing is I haven't tried that. I would love to try it, but I guess I for I mean I guess I'm kind of looking at the benefits of health. I would rather run on the field to be honest, but who knows with social distance, I might as well get out. Get reason to go outside. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a lot slower pace than ultimate, and yeah, but you know it's like yeah, non-contact. It's easier to keep your distance, and uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot more slower paced it's like different video games you know you, you might be in the mood for like a turn-based strategy game like uh mm -hmm. doran has the patience for or you might want like that <laughs> first person twitch shooter game like pff, all over the place that ultimate is to me is a lot more fast-paced decision making mm -hmm. definitely yeah. yeah nate's uh a big uh disc golf player so he can uh if you ever want to learn from a pro uh and you don't right. have one then you can resort to Nate. <laughs> you, you invite me to your next game and the next time i actually have an ultimate game i'll invite you oh perfect that sounds great uh yeah i wouldn't say i'm a pro but i have gotten an ace before which is like a hole in one for disc golf so oh nice yeah i now know that nate you're full of surprises do you have <laughs> that on video no not on video uh, video or it didn't happen oh i had a witness and I took a picture at the basket, so I still have the disc oh. that I uh, aced it with. So it was a friend. Yeah, yeah, I, I paid him to be quiet and agree with me. <laughs> cool, so, cool. And so, so mentioning, uh, sorry, I just wanted to ask Joel because you kind of mentioned because of COVID, you can't do some mm -hmm. of these activities that uh, kind of were your hobbies, and uh, you mentioned some of them help you with the business. Uh, I just wanted to ask, how has COVID affected your business? Mm, I would say definitely push back in terms of like, just, you know, in terms of time. I think for a lot of people for COVID, I mean, yes, there's a loss of business for me. I, I would say at least more than 50% loss. Mm. I was projecting like, I was pr projecting like, you know, increased, you know, better numbers, you know, especially for myself, you know, ever since I started freelancing, you know, it would have been like my two and a half year kind of like into it. And yeah, my, I, my numbers were slowly increasing, mm. but literally right into COVID, get knocked down less than 50%. Looked like I was like a minimum wage worker again. But I mean, I think it's not a bad thing. I kind of, what I really did was kind of put a pause on everything. And from a certain perspective, it just kind of gave me time to really just like reevaluate what I have. So, and, and fortunately for me, like I didn't find the major need to buy. Well, I guess I did buy something new, but I didn't really buy a lot of new <laughs> things as, you know, one might, you know, want to, especially with 2020. I mean, everyone saw like, holy smokes, dozens of new cameras, new lights and so on and so forth. But then, you know, just really being honestly, just taking so like, yeah, it's great stuff, but like, what can I do with what I have? And mm -hmm. I'm, and the truth is like, just being more creative in terms of, you know, and also diving back into uh, more broadcast stuff because, you know, when I freelance, it's mostly just videography related. But now with, you know, okay. COVID, I've been able to kind of do more broadcast related stuff. And, you know, for example, a local church was like, hey, Joel, we have no idea what we're doing. We need you to be, we need your professional opinion and consultation and advice for equipment and so on and so forth. Like, you know, teach us. And yeah, it's, you know, 
it's it's mm-hmm. been an interesting time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so kind oh, of pivoting cool. and adapting, taking new opportunities. Um, so mm-hmm. would you say that you've had n- uh, new contacts and new opportunities, like now that we've been over a year into COVID? Hmm. Yes and no. I think definitely yes in regards to you know look like as i said I, you know joining bcpva is one organization but then there's like other groups and so on and so forth because everyone's meeting online it's great because it means people are either bored of their minds or they're just more easily accessible <laughs> and you can talk to them all all over the place around the world and for and then fortunately for me with the little downtime you know really to renovate my image in terms of like my website to be more presentable instead of just like, yeah, here's a demo reel and some photos. It's like, okay, what do I do as, you know, as a business and as a professional it's, Mm. and you know, it's easy to slap the word professional in front of you, but then what do you mean for yourself as a professional? Like, are you just, are you a videographer or are you, you know, a professional videographer, like from an honest point, uh, you know, honest note. Mm-hmm. Keen eared uh, listeners of the podcast or viewers might remember one of our previous episodes where Doran and I discussed that exact question. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you can hear our thoughts on that on a previous episode that I don't remember the number of. Me neither. It's <laughs> your number somewhere. Yeah. It's in the recommended right now. <laughs> Check the right side of the screen, you'll find it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, kind of uh, coming up with uh, figuring out, okay, when do you want to start calling yourself a professional? When was that point for you? I th- I think when you have responsibility. I, I think it's... And the reason why I say you have responsibility is like, it's easy to like, oh, you know, I shoot for my family. I shoot for my friends and so on and so forth. But when you... I mean, that's like a totally different responsibility to a certain degree. I mean, some might disagree, but it's, it's something I think that it's if you when screw you, up, you might not get into trouble for. I yeah, I think it's when you get responsibility in terms of working with like other organizations or people who are who've been working for you know multiple years, decades, you know, two decades or so on and so forth, and for you to call yourself a professional, like, are you going to be walking in there and be like, oh yeah, like. You know, haha, you know, uh, I plug in a cable or something, but then they're like, hey, you don't know how to wrap your cable. Why is this a mess? Like little basic stuff or like or things like, okay, uh, I need you to tell me what's what's the time code. I'm like, what? What's the time code? But but then in the professional film world, it's really important if, you know, like all these little things, because the truth is not everyone has the time to teach you and, you know, and being responsible to like. Like, for example, if they need you to go out and get a shot, can you diligently say, like, yeah, I got you a stable, usable shot for 10 seconds? Or are you going to be just going to, like, yeah, I got you a shot. It, it, it looks like a photo, though. It doesn't look like a video, right? Like, and I think that's kind of where, um, you know, being, you know, having that weight is really important because if you screw up, Everyone will be on your ass <laughs> in a way. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but like, like I think that's where you know being a professional kind of comes in because, like, if there's trouble or some or even your coworkers are not capable of doing something because 
they're already having too many jobs or so on and so forth. You yeah. being able to be like, yeah, I know what to do. Pass it over to me and, you know, I'll, I'll help you through the process. And I think that's, you know, what, you know, being a responsible and being a professional is about like mm -hmm. the fact, like, you know, your clients don't know what they're doing. They're spending up hours of trying to figure things out with various services because people, because all these ads are being thrown at them and so they try every, you know, manner and menu. And so you're like, yeah, just give me the, you know, you can be like this. You just tell them, give me your footage and you give me, a, give me a deadline. We talk about it within half an hour. Okay. You will have your product and within these parameters. Mm -hmm. Nice and easy, right? That's what we, that's where you are. You stand as a professional. Mm -hmm. So yeah, basically being put in a position where you have responsibility, where you influence someone else's business, not just personal videos. And to the point where you can establish your reputation and mm -hmm. uh, be an asset to someone else's business. I'll take that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, sorry, I'm just shorter. I'm, it's, it's shorter than sweeter than, than my long answer. That's well, for sorry. Sure. I, I was just trying to see if if I fully <laughs> understood you by re kind of repeating what I what stuck up with oh, me. It, it, me. It's yeah. exactly what I'm saying. Okay. Being an asset. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That that's very on point. <laughs> um. So I'm curious, what has been your favorite project that you've ever like worked on? Um, you know, whether you were working as part of someone else's company or uh, by yourself uh, as a full-time freelancer, what's been your favorite like video project? Oh man, I am a greedy individual. I would say everything, but then um, <laughs> favorite. Most memorable one. I would say one of the jobs I did, I wasn't, I wasn't being a videographer, but I was more, I was, uh, my job and role was more of a, um, helping with the production and I was the, uh, dit, but from time to time I actually did, cause they knew I was also a person who could shoot too. So sometimes they gave me a camera to get a couple shots or, Hey, you, you know how to do time lapses? Here's my Canon 5D, like set something up and so, so on and so forth. I'm like, okay, great. Um, but the interestingness about this job was we were shooting up in the north, um, in, close to Prince George. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, far out in the west, so it was so it's kind of like closer to the west coast, but it was up there in the north. And this was around in the best time of year, I think, end of January, oh, early New February. January. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so in preparation for this job. Um, we were shooting, um, the client was a bunch of First Nations. And long story short, um, gas company kind of came across, you know, these, uh, this First Nation, you know, burial ground. And they're like, okay, can we get First Nations and came to some sort of agreement. First Nations would, you know, call up a bunch of scientists and basically spend the week, you know, collecting artifacts and information within a week's time. And then the company would, you know, resume work. You know, literally respecting the First Nations and the First Nations getting you know timeline, but that's beyond me. But in terms of what we were doing, uh, you know, we're documenting the experience of the scientists, what they found. But the condition of the shoot was challenging for sure because hmm. we had every sort of weather and because um, where we were shooting was pretty much marshland and logging roads. So fortunately. The biggest benefit is having a large SUV truck 
to carry all the gear nice backseat warmers plugs and everything so if you need to charge anything it was great but getting but shooting on site we were in the marshland and it was incredibly cold and we had all sorts of weather so we had completely rainy day on one day and then we had one day which was not rainy but extremely cold and high winds and then another day we had completely you know not as cold but we had snow and again biggest thing is it's a marsh so we had to wear these large high heel rubber boots with it you know fur lining to deal with like you know sub uh, sub zero degree temperatures so yeah. our you know we're not gonna get frostbitten feet and yeah that was the probably one of the most toughest projects because we would you know wake up early like 6 a.m and you know we weren't done till like dinner time and i was still up to like make sure the footage was backed up onto the hard drives as soon as possible and organized before i go to sleep but clearly it was memorable enough for me because it was just it was a crazy time i guess you could say <laughs> and i take it that that project was uh successfully completed uh i successful in terms of what i was you know the roles i was given for to, yeah doing the paperwork making sure the you know two hard drives have all the footage properly backed up and you know that gets express mailed all good done but I haven't actually seen the final product, so maybe well, I should get mm. back to the company and ask uh, how that went. Mm-hmm. It would have been cool mm-hmm. if you had a person shooting behind the scenes, because it sounds like just filming and producing that was uh, a journey of its own. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of wish I did, but I mean, it will. I mean, the weather is so cold. I mean, it was really difficult to try to write anything, and which was my main job. It was already hard enough to try to like shoot anything because it's like cold and frozen your hands just get you know frostbitten we actually had to i found what really worked was putting on a, like those like a uh, hand warmers slapping one on get it going and then put the glove on but literally at the end of the day like take off the glove and it was soaked and i was surprised and didn't get frostbitten hands like that was how bad the weather condition was sheesh Oh, that, I guess. that sounds like uh, sorry. That sounds like one tiny step down from like those Planet Earth guys who like camp out on the beach with the giant sea lions and there's like wind whipping and everything, and they're just like exposed mm-hmm. to the elements. That's nuts, man. Oh well, I actually I wasn't. My biggest sorry was actually for the sound guy. He forgot one important thing for himself, which was um a strap, a hip strap for his uh. Uh, sound equipment so he had to wear the shoulder strap for one day and he is like by the time we were leaving he's just like uh can't feel him can't feel anything my shoulders are destroyed (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh i'm so sorry for him (laughs) brutal Uh, i guess i guess you know having survived (laughs) and completed (laughs) something like this does have a, a a satisfaction at the end of mm. it all but would it be something that you would ever do again <laughs> i i think i think selfishly yes um i mean i i guess it's just the uniqueness of it but definitely for sure mm-hmm. i mean if if i was the videographer i probably would try to bring a smaller letter camera and i'm glad there's new cameras sure you know available to do such a thing like so Sony you, FX6 you would you would reapproach something like this, but you would do it slightly different to make sure things are a bit more controlled and comfortable. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean uh, the 
the camera operator um, was a fellow who came from Alberta, but he was carrying like a FS Sony FS7 with the the raw support on the back of it. So that adds extra weight, and he has to carry V-lock batteries on the back of it. So that became a gigantic monster of a camera with mm. you know the braking condition. So practically any time we were walking through the forest, we'd be like holding the camera, it's like Joel. Please take my tripods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, what's currently your greatest challenge besides COVID? Let's maybe pre-COVID you can think of what your greatest challenge was, or maybe you want to tie it in with COVID and trying to adapt uh, and overcome this huge challenge. Uh, what, what's what's your greatest challenge that you face in your industry? Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, some of these questions I borrowed from. <laughs> I know <laughs> it's just, that's a hard part because I mean it depends. It depends on the person's personality, right? Yeah. For me, uh, for me, I love you know finding solutions and troubleshooting things to problems. So any sort of challenge is a challenge to me. But greatest challenge, um, hmm. Yeah, threw a curveball at you. <laughs> yeah. Greatest challenge, I would say, I think it's just because of the times, is this um, just having reoccurring clients. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I've approached certain restaurants or approached certain businesses. And, you know, even though like my repertoire, you know, I've, you know, shown some great stuff like, oh, you know, Things I've done with, let's say, you know, a nonprofit group. I approach a nonprofit group, but then it's like, it's not within their business, you know, within their interests at this time. But then, you know, it's definitely something which they are considering, but they can't because it's just not within their means. Or mm -hmm. like, it's it's, or let's say like, I would say actually, I would say actually look not really a challenge for me because fortunately, I've, you know, I I have a lot of different networks but i think a loss would be a more appropriate word would be the wedding industry for me because i would frequently do a lot of wedding work like mm. a couple dozen of like wedding shoots for you know other various you know wedding companies and you know fortunately you know for a lot of them they know me and they like the work i've done and you know they and i build them at a you know at a very special rate if if i can with them because you know of the of that connection and but then because of the current covid situation that's definitely a lost source of uh income so therefore and, and business so thereby i'm like trying to look for like my own you know trying to find new clients in different fields i mean on the plus side i guess i've been picking up some wedding works but then it's difficult in that regard because it's not that i don't appreciate having the work but the truth and honesty the challenge of like oh yes it's your wedding you only want someone to be there for two hours and then the challenge of like you know versus in the past before COVID, for a full day 12 hours it's like oh yeah a couple thousand dollars you're charging a couple hundred or less for two hours and it's you know it's i i, I you know i you got to be graceful with, with the times but from you know the putting food on the plate kind of 
you know issue of like having enough right and it's not very ideal to try to like book one wedding in the morning one wedding in the afternoon try to book another wedding in the evening because <laughs> i i've i've i haven't had that you know happen but i don't want to imagine the possibility of like trying to do that and then like go from one morning shoot to the afternoon shoot i'm like holding two sd cards um, mm. which one do I erase? <laughs> Is this you, a you good idea? One bride and mix it with another groom. <laughs> yeah, well, you splice oh. the videos together wrong, <laughs> or or just just or just run out of batteries because it's just like you over you know because that's another thing you're you're scrambling to overshoot on one wedding because you don't have as much time to shoot with the couples. So you're just like you're shooting longer because just in case you can capture reaction just to put into that video, but you know. It's it's a different time. Mm -hmm. uh, Joel, uh, here's a little question for you. Mm -hmm. um, if you were to recommend investing in something for a starting freelancer, what would it be? And it doesn't have to be necessarily a, a certain camera or piece of gear, but just in general, what do you think they should invest in that will pay dividends for them? Mm, that's in terms of freelancer uh not specifically to just videography but as a freelancer in terms of like the media world i would say getting a decent computer or like a system and you know what you're doing on it and also just getting really good with the software because i mean in reflection we go for COVID, like most people are not able to shoot but then if you have any like projects still in the work or things or you know if your friends if you have friends who are still shooting but then they're like you know for some reason they have more clients and they're shooting way too much they can pass you on the editing work and i think it's really important to have that diversity like i mean there's a there's some people i know who just get by with just shooting alone but then the truth is you know i think you know it's really important to diversify and be able to you know pick up the edits and know how to do the graphics and so on and so forth because but at the same time, getting the right tool to do it fast, you know, if you try to get a computer from like five years ago and the client asks for like something 4K and you're like, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, that'll take like 24 hours to export this like three minute <laughs> video or you try to yeah. export some like one to two hour kind of performance and your computer just tells you like after the course of a night, sorry, the export didn't work because you ran out of RAM or something. You're just like, oh, yeah. What do I do? You know, <laughs> mm. I've 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 had that experience before when I was like starting off with like a, you know, weaker computer. I was like, oh, try to export like a two-hour lecture. Doesn't work. All right, the got a good legit reason. Buy a new computer. Export goes through. Deliver the client and don't ever think don't ever have that problem ever again for the next job. But mm -hmm. but that's but the thing is, not everyone has that flexibility. So just you know. Invest into something solid for editing, so thereby, you know, if the jobs come, you have you can work on it. And at the same time, you you don't say tell tell people, I can't work on it because my computer just is a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So kind of having that solid base computer and software knowledge mm -hmm. to work from, so that, like you said, it's important that you learn the software, so you can fix things in post that maybe you didn't even realize that were fixable. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, 
being confident in your abilities and then giving you that flexibility to edit other people's stuff if they have too many clients or too many projects that they can't edit. Okay. That's actually really solid advice. I never thought about it properly, but yeah. Uh, starting out, you don't think you're very focused on technique of filming and what settings and what gear and microphone and this and light and but yeah a lot of like that's half the job the other half of the job is the edit and you, you you're gonna get thrown so many mm -hmm. edits that you never thought you'd had to do so yeah that that actually is brilliant i, I completely I mean, forgot about that aspect is it's something that like you're like bombarded with and you get used to but yeah it would have made life much easier for me if i knew when i was starting like hey you're gonna get asked some weird stuff so start experimenting with doing edits that you don't think are necessary but get used to it mm -hmm. you know like mm -hmm. removing ums if someone's constantly doing um uh um i'm lip smacking or whatever or like yeah um tracking tracking a logo off someone's shirt and replacing it you know or like yeah there's that definitely helps later on if you decide to pick up the camera you're you're when you're shooting someone and you're doing your own interview you're like okay let's stop take a bro you're doing a lot of ums you're doing a lot of breaks do you can we do to relax you a bit right then you know you know you can make things easier in the post mm -hmm. and not to mention you know three thousand four thousand dollar computer what can get you by versus you know you know you know camera standards and stuff i know people are like yeah you could shoot with anything like a t3i or something for, for under 500 dollars. but you know the truth is you know broadcast industry and you know sports or whatsoever people have standards and the truth is you know you're gonna have to start dropping like you know 1500 dollars on the aperture light you know three thousand dollars on that camera body and we're not including sd cards and hard drives and stuff vice versa you know having a computer you edit a project, you don't have to, you know, once you're done, make sure it's delivered. You don't keep anything. You don't need to have any hard drives or whatsoever. You just work on the next job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, where do you see yourself in five years from now? Um, or maybe I should word that better by saying, what what would your ideal goal be for the next five years for your business? Uh, I will be Doran's boss. No, it's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that would Doran be an accomplishment, and... <laughs> seeing how I would never <laughs> reconsider going back to employment. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you'd uh, have to be an awesome boss to convince me. So, yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> we'll have to see. Uh, <laughs> okay, don't be. Uh, that's not a promise, okay? <laughs> okay. Okay, boss. But, <laughs> I set myself up here. But in terms, but honestly speaking, though, in terms of five or ten year plan, it's it's hard. I mean, I'm my plans change all the time, but it's good to have some sort of goal or plan because, well, and also be flexible considering you know with COVID and so on and so forth. But definitely for sure, having some plan is important because. You never like just not having a goal or a destination. You're just gonna end up like just flip flopping in the you know media world as you know if you you end up being stuck as a junior editor and you don't move up and you just don't find you're alive, right? And the thing is about media, like there are so many different options out there. You don't have to be doing something and just feel dead and dissatisfied. But maybe some people are satisfied with a junior position. Mm -hmm. But the truth is. 
if you find yourself not satisfied, it's good to see what else is out there. If you have a desire to be, you know, a fully working DOP in 10 years, set up a plan. What are you going to, you know, how do you, you know, what kind of jobs and work do you need to go through? Or even for it, even in terms of just being like what we do in terms of like being like a freelance videographer, having a plan in terms of like, you know, you know, pulling in for what I said before, you know, first, first thing you do, you know, get, get a cheap computer, but then the second plan, get a decent computer uh, in this, within that first year too. Mm-hmm. And then maybe in the second or third year, you know, buy a second, you know, buy, buy a second hand, you know, GH5, which is, I still think is probably one of these most reliable cameras out there. But, and then by the time you're like in your fifth year, like you start really, you know, once you have the experience in terms of like, all the degrees of like, you know, editing and all so on and so forth, you know, yeah, you, you decide like, where do you really want to put, you know, your, your most amount of time and money? Cause the truth, you know, the truth is there's so many things out there. And I think like the beauty of it, there are some people who love certain jobs, like running a teleprompter and, uh, and you know, it might seem crazy to, pe- to others, but it makes sense. They they run bank and they do a good job and they're the only ones who do it because mm-hmm. and they do it well. But the thing is, being you know they 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 probably did some research, found that you know maybe there isn't anyone else who did do it, and they have all the knowledge, information, and the hardware, and they set up a plan to do that, and they're always getting hired for it. And I think it's the same thing for anyone who wants to be a videographer. It, to have such a plan because it's easy to kind of fall into that niche of like, oh, I'm going to be like a YouTuber and everything else. But then the truth is like, you don't have some sort of plan in terms of like how you invest back into yourself. Are you going to get your own studio? Are you going to get a camera that maybe $10,000, but you are able to work for other media companies because you know, they don't have that camera, but they will hire you because you have that camera. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Hmm. It's, it's we touched on a lot of points that we talked about in the last episode. I remember last episode, episode fifteen, where we talk about like, do you plateau and stagnate, or do you like, how do you advance, whether in your employed position or in your freelance world? But I'll I'll bring the question back because I, I feel like you haven't ad- answered it for me. Where do yeah, you I'm see cheating. yourself, your business <laughs> in five kidding. years? I know, I know. No. You said to be flexible, but let's say things calm down and things are predictable. Where would you ideally want to be in five years? I, th- I think within five years, I think preferably, like, ideally, I would love just to be in terms of like just doing shooting or directing someone or like working with a company. But if 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 in the ideal world, uh, in terms of like a 10 year, like a really big ideal kind of goal, it would be actually kind of, I would l- love to be in like a technical director or like a higher up position in Ooh. terms of, and intentionally, I just, for me, I, you know, I, I dabble in everything, but then the, you know, I, I do believe there's other people who can, are just as passionate or more passionate or even better than me. And I would love to just, bring people together and because of my experience of, you know, working in all different fields, be able to, you know, connect everything together. So thereby I'll be like, you know, 
I'm going if I'm a producer, I'm doing the interview, and I'm like I'm noticing something in the camera, I'm like hey, camera operator, you know, or audio, or like or how the questions are going. I know how to, you know, make sure the person, you know, will look good for the camera a little bit, but I'll still let the camera operator do his job, or making sure like, you know. If I hear, you know, if I hear planes, or if if the someone, 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 or the person I'm interviewing last, I can go like to the interview to the audio guy. I'm like, are we good? Okay, we're good. And keep going. Like, vice versa, you know, producer who doesn't have these experience, they're just like, they just keep talking, and the people who are on camera or on audio, are just like. So it kind of sounds geez. like you would want yeah. more responsibilities in the future, and you're excited mm-hmm. about that prospect. Yeah, I I think like definitely for sure. If but having more responsibility and. Like, and because of my wide diverse experience, I will be able to make sure, like, especially on the production side of things, things are done right. Sorry, so thereby... I apologize if you're training the background. <laughs> no worries. Close to Got... railroad track. <laughs> Got to keep chugging here. Um, so that thereby, you know, when we go into post, you know, things just fly. We have, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, my biggest concern is, you know, in post, we always end up with multiple reviews. But you know, by being involved, I you know make sure like we end up giving two solid reviews and we're done good and everyone's happy. We're not burnt out and we can keep doing more creative stuff and you know do things to the best level, right? Definitely. Now, Joel, speaking of the best level, can you give us two things? I know you just got your your R six, was it? But mm-hmm. what are two pieces of gear that are on your like? drool list like you're just like oh that i want like oh man if i won ten thousand dollars i'd want to get these no things. like a million dollars oh. you have a million dollars well, he's, he's just gonna say like an ari alexa then <laughs> oh yeah that's good no it's, good. it's i'll be honest i as much as i would love a cinema camera i think i'll be realistic i i would need a team so i mean gear less doesn't People do not count as part of gear lust, so let's be No, I'm not here. talking about people lust. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I want that shooter to work for me for, for as a slave for life. Um, Doran, you're hired. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, okay, I, can't, I can't help it. Uh, I would say probably... I would. I want to say Canon, but with the current, current trend of what's going on in industry right now, I would say the... Probably one of the newer Sony cameras, like the A7Threes, FX6, FX9. But I'll be honest, I probably, I'm, I, I, I mean, this is kind of where my future planning is kind of head is kind of scratching right now. I'm kind of looking for like the Mark IIs because they're great cameras right now. I would, I would, in terms of recommendation, I would recommend those cameras over the Canon. I hate to say it, even though I love the images I get from Canon, but with just workflow standards right now and, you know, the limitations from Canon, I would say go with Sony right now. But in terms of current gear loss, it would be like the FX6 for, you know, it's nice full frame, light light and small. I can use it for broadcasts. Um, A7S3 for the gimbal, but then if, if the FX... I mean, in the ideal world, the FX9 is the ideal camera but i'll be honest i i rather pack up light so i'm kind of would say the fx6 mm-hmm. but if i could speak in regards to the future it would be like a mark ii just to fix out a couple of the little kinks they have mm-hmm. 
like menu systems is still a little bit old school, but if they can update that, I think mm. it would sell like a hot pocket. <laughs> so you'll jump on that on the Mark II. That'd be your like ideal. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's just it's just the little things right now. It's it fits. It kind of checks off a lot of things in terms of what I'm looking for in terms of like mm-hmm. freelancing work, broadcast work. Only thing is like little kinks like. Um, not sure if you guys are aware about the camera, but it's like the XLRs, they're all in the handle and none of it's on the body. Not not just one. The, the FS, the older version the FS5 had one, but then now they're all in the handle. It's like, mm-hmm. that doesn't make no sense. So <laughs> maybe if they change it on the Mark II, great. If not, whatever, I'll just buy the Mark I and save money. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Well, I feel like we covered a lot of different topics, uh, Joel. Thanks for letting us pick your brain, and uh, thanks for sharing all all of your experience. Stuff that was great. Yeah, thank you very much for making it on the podcast and uh, for giving us uh, your insights on your business, uh, your uh, COVID uh, journey, and uh, we look forward to the future of Joel Law Media. Mm-hmm. Thank you very thank much you for, for coming. Me. Yeah. Yeah, is there any little shout outs you want to do where people can find your work, like a portfolio site or social media channels? So, um, my website is joellaw.com. So, basically, my name, J O E L L A W.com. I recently kind of like renovated the website, so feel free to check it out. It's a great place. But in terms of Twitter, Instagram, all the other handles and stuff, it is uh, Joel C H Law. So it's J-O-E-L-C-H-L-A-W. So I guess you could throw the word channel like like right in between my name there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which one are you most active on? Uh, I'm most active is on Instagram, but I'll be honest, I've been so most of most of my work has been with for other various media companies. I haven't and been so busy, haven't found the time to do a selfie and show off and because hmm. got to focus on the client stuff first because it's it's a little awkward to be like shooting yourself i'm like yeah yeah i'm shooting this like go are you, are you ready to roll or something <laughs> oh yeah yeah hold yeah. on. yeah <laughs> i know yeah it's it's hard to find the right time to do it well unless it was my own client then i think it'll be a different thing mm, true well there you have it folks check out joel law uh owner of joel law media And uh, that's a wrap for today's podcast. Thank you very much for watching and listening. Please leave Mm -hmm. a comment or a message about any topics you would like us to cover. Uh, We kind of ran out, so we would appreciate any ideas. (laughs) (laughs) We've also been really busy. But uh, yeah, always fun to do podcasts and always fun to have guests. Definitely. And uh, be sure to subscribe to not miss an episode of the Nate and Doran podcast. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever you you, you use to listen to podcasts. Uh, this has been Nate and Doran with our special guest, Joel Law. Uh, thanks for watching and listening, guys. <laughs>